Hey, my friends, welcome to the Quick Talk Podcast. I'm sitting in my truck on my phone, and I'm excited to talk to you. It's been several days since I did my last podcast. Sorry, sorry about that. Just uh, building all kinds of amazing woo-hoo-ha-ha stuff behind the scenes. One thing I want to talk about today that is really practical for you, if you have a, a local home service company, probably any company, uh, but some of the things I'm going to go through here in a few minutes really are tailored to like a any type of local home service company has to do with the way that you do your revenue goal setting and the way that you reverse engineer your plan. I'll probably be all over the place. I don't have notes. I'm just shooting from the hip here. Um, but this is really, really important and people get really confused and I feel like they, most people don't do this at all, which is so silly because a few hours worth of work and you can have like a really solid, like realistic, highly attainable plan to achieve whatever it is that you're trying to achieve this year but you got to understand some fundamentals you know one of the mistakes people make when they goal set is they get really fired up or they'll listen to a hundred podcasts in a row or they'll finally figure out systems as a thing and they freak out and they overdo it and maybe they did a couple hundred thousand in sales you know in 2018 and they'll say i'm going to two million this year and and in most cases that's not going to happen right uh for lots of reasons number one are you the type of person that uh, as a leader and as a CEO can do that. Maybe you are if you're some superhero rock star, but usually there's like a step, steps, there's like a steps, there's levels, there's a progression to your own personal development, your own understanding of your business, the inner workings, leadership. But the other big reason is just capital. You don't have enough money to do that. And when you actually break it down and show someone, oh, okay, cool. So you're gonna go from 200,000 to 2 million. That's awesome. where is the $500,000 in cash that's required to do that going to come from? Is that in your personal checking account? Um, are you going to write a check? Are we? Gonna... <laughs> so most people don't have the, the capital to scale that fast. Uh, it is possible. I'm not saying it's not possible. I'm just saying there's math, right? You've heard me say in the past that math is the path. So I don't care where your business is. If you haven't done real strategic planning, I'm going to give you kind of a, a rough overview on how to do this. You might want to take notes or go back and listen to it. Uh, there's a few basic components that you need to understand. Number one, you need to understand the target, the objective, the mountaintop, the revenue uh, goal. So let's use some fake numbers here just so I can lay down the concept for you. Let's say that you want to go to $500,000 this year and you're currently at $300,000 in uh, revenue from 2018. So you have a revenue goal for this year of 500K. Easy peasy, right? The second thing you have to establish is what I call your base. And this is kind of a buzz, buzzword that's out there now because I've used this language so much. I don't know if other people call it this, but when I had my company, this is what I called it for myself. I'm a really visual person, so I'd always whiteboard this stuff out and I needed to see it like in a bar chart. I needed to see it in like a graph. I needed to see numbers on paper I could touch or on a whiteboard that I could touch uh, for me to really grasp this. But your base is the amount of revenue that you think you're going to do this year without really trying. Not like you would neglect your business, but if you didn't do anything special, you didn't do paid advertising, you didn't improve all of your systems, you didn't like start measuring new things and really like developing your team and upselling and 10xing your referrals. If you just kind of held ground, answered the phone, replied to emails, and just operated as just an average business, how much revenue would come in all by itself? What's that number for you? People get confused on this, so I'm gonna take a minute here to explain how to calculate your base. Let's say, in my example, you did $300,000, right? If you're a carpet cleaning business, 
most of your, your customers are pretty sticky, right? If you provide great service, their carpet's going to be dirty next year, you know, next year, just like it was last year. So they, they'll repeat with you as long as you're staying in touch with them. Uh, so you might have a higher base because even if you didn't do anything extra crazy, you might get 250,000 of, of that revenue just to repeat because people's carpet got dirty, dirty again, right? If you're a window cleaner, the same type of thing, a maid service, the same type of thing. It just depends. But if you're like in the roof cleaning business or you have some sort of service you provide, like you're a contractor and you build decks or something, or it's more of a one-time service, or it's a once every two or three or five or 10 years years, everything changes when it comes to your base. Like it's a little bit different. Uh, but if you do have a sticky reoccurring repeat service, you can count usually on a high percentage of your previous year's revenue to count as your base. So if, if, if the example I'm giving was a carpet cleaner, I might set their base to, realistically, it might be the whole 300,000. The other thing you want to keep in mind is like the age of your company, the length of time you've been in business. Uh, brand new businesses oftentimes with, with home services, they'll grow really quickly the first few years uh, and they get a little bit cocky. They get a little bit of swag, right? But the real reason many of them grow, not all of them, but many of them is just supply and demand in the market that they're in. So they open up shop, they get a website, they barely do anything, but because there's so many dirty houses and they are a house washing company and there's this gap in the market, a ton of people will call them. They'll get tons of business, tons of word of mouth. And what'll happen is they'll go from zero to a hundred grand to 200 grand to 350 grand. And what'll happen is they're going to, they're going to expect subconsciously in their mind that that's what will happen forever. And it, and it doesn't. Sometimes it can. Sometimes if you're in the right service in the right market and the comp competitive landscape is, is such where there's just no one out there doing what you're doing and there's a huge demand for it or everybody else is really terrible, you might be able to build a million dollar business just because of luck of the draw, you know, the supply and demand and, and all that stuff. But usually that's not the case. What I've found to be true is they'll grow really quickly for two or three years, maybe four, and then they'll, they'll start to flatline, they'll get stuck. When they get stuck, they start to panic. The reason they panic is because they don't even understand what they did to grow in the first place. And so they don't know how to control the growth going forward. And <laughs> I hope this makes sense. You might want to listen back to this a couple times if you're newer uh, in business. But let's say that you're a brand new company and last year was your first year and you did a hundred grand. Well, in that case, if you're in a really good market, okay, your base could easily be a hundred grand. Your base might even be more than a hundred grand, right? If you didn't do anything new, you might do 150 grand just because of the organic momentum you have from existing and fulfilling a need in your market. Uh, and that's great. That's awesome for you. But on the other hand, if you've been in business for 10 years and you're still at the hundred thousand mark, right? You know, things are different. Does that make sense? I hope that makes sense. So if you're a new company growing really quickly, it's okay to cheat on your base and make it a little bit higher. If you're an older company that's more stagnant and been flat, I would be much more conservative on your base. Also, if you have a business that does not repeat every year and is not sticky, you want to be really, really conservative on your base, or in some cases, don't even count a base, right? Or make it really conservative. I hope that makes sense. I'll just tell you for my cleaning company that did window cleaning, pressure cleaning, roof cleaning, gutter cleaning, those services in Michigan, in the Midwest, it was a seasonal business. I always use 60% of my revenue as my base. 60%. It, it might have been 70. Honestly, I can't remember. It was either 60 or 70%. I think 60. 
as my base. Now that was actually way more aggressive than it needed to be. But whenever I would build a plan for growth, you want to be harder on yourself. You want to make the plan harder for yourself than it needs to be. That way you'll meet or exceed your goals every time you build the plan. So if we did, you know, $700,000 one year, I would use 60% of that as my base, right? Which would be like $420,000. And if we wanted to go to a million, you'd reverse engineer the difference between the million dollar goal and the $420,000 base. And that difference is called your gap. Now let's go back to my example. In my original example, there's a $500,000 goal, a $300,000 a year carpet cleaning business. Let's set their base at 80% of 300,000 because let's say they're only three years old, they're growing really quickly and they're in a great market, okay? So that means they have a $500,000 goal and I'm gonna set their base at 80% of $300,000, right? Which is $240,000. That gives us our third component. So you have your goal, you have your base, the third piece is called the gap. I call it the gap. The gap is what you have to close. You gotta close the gap. And the gap in this example would be $260,000, right? So hang with me here. I know this is a lot of math. It's actually really simple. I mean, we're only like nine or 10 minutes in and we've covered a lot of ground, right? So when you look at your year, none of the stuff that's gonna go down this year is gonna happen just by accident. It's gonna happen directly as a result of the planning you did or didn't do by the natural uh, urges in the market, the services you provide. Yes, you could have some luck encounters here and there, but by and large, you're gonna hit or miss your goal 100% based on the strategic planning you do in advance. So if you have a $260,000 gap, here comes the question. How do we close the gap? How do we close the gap? If you figure out how to close the gap, You can have whatever it is that you want. You're you're guaranteed with certainty to achieve what it is that you want. And here's the answer to that question. You close the gap through proactive sales and marketing and by uh, improving all of the low-hanging fruit areas in your company. What the heck am I talking about? (laughs) Step one, let's look at the low-hanging fruit. Going into this year, what are the things we can instantaneously improve to move the needle for your company uh, for free just by using our brain. How can we use our brain to get you uh, more money this year to make your, your gap get closed even quicker? Let me give you some ideas. Let's say that your average ticket is $300. What could we do with our sales process, the literature we use, and the pricing we use? What could we do like within like one day of hard thought to get our average ticket from 300 up to 400. What could we do? Some of you might be thinking, well, you know, I'm already the highest price, you know, company in my market. I can't make it go higher. That's not true. That's a lie. That's a story that you're telling yourself. I promise you that you're incorrect, 100% incorrect. That's wrong. Delete that out of your brain. Take my word for it. You're wrong. So first step of low-hanging fruit is how do we increase your average ticket? Number one, you do it through raising your prices. Number two, you do it through selling packages instead of a la carte services. You sell packages. They ask for one service. You give them them that price along with three different packages that include all kinds of bundled services together. A portion of people will always pick a package, a lot of them the most expensive package, and it'll, it'll, it'll push your average ticket up, which is awesome, right? Because let's go back to my example. My gap is $260,000. If my average ticket was $260, I need to do a thousand service appointments to make $260,000, right? 
But if my average ticket was $520, I have to do half the amount of jobs to half the amount of customers, right? So this is a great way to close the gap. The other way you identify low-hanging fruit, or I'm sorry, improve um, your, your closing your gap by using low-hanging fruit is your current book of business. How do we get them to repeat with you more often? How do we increase the frequency in which they buy from you? Do they get once a year cleanings? Okay, awesome. Is there a way we could get 30% of your customers to do twice a year? Yes, there's a way. It's called asking them. It's called building a simple strategy around it. And on average, over the course of a year, you'll make more money, right? That's low-hanging fruit. It's a process change. It's a procedure change that will totally make it easier to close your gap and to grow your company. What's some more low-hanging fruit? Getting more organic traffic through getting more reviews, for example. Do you ask for reviews on every single job? Do you reward your staff for getting reviews? Guess what? When I had my company, it's been about four years since I sold it, the reviews were important and stuff, but not anywhere near like they are now. Things are changing so quick. What are you doing to get the most reviews in your market with the highest star rating and just crush it, right? And I'm not just talking on Google reviews. I'm talking, you know, Yelp and, and wherever else you do on Facebook, uh, everywhere. Wherever you can get reviews, are you getting them? Is it automated? And are, do you have way more than everybody else? That's low-hanging fruit. The last piece of low-hanging fruit will be how do you 10x your referrals? How do you get more people to tell you about their second cousins, neighbors, aunts, uncles, and weird friends to call you to hire you for your stuff? It's a process change. It's nothing more. It's being more intentional, measuring it, asking you know six times through the for, for a referral throughout the process. We ask six times directly we are a small family company. We rely on referrals from good people like you. Can you remember us next time you're talking to your weird cousin or your weird uncle at the next family reunion or when you're at a barbecue with your neighbors? Can you remember to, to give us a referral? We so appreciate it in advance. We said that six times throughout our customer life cycle. Okay, okay. So, doing some teaching here. Your head might want to explode. Or maybe some of you already turned this off because <laughs> it might be weird. I don't know. You got to give me feedback if you want actual nuts and bolts teaching like this i can do this for days there's so much stuff i can share i just don't want to overwhelm people's brains uh so you got your goal five hundred thousand. you got your base two hundred and forty thousand, which is 80 percent of your three hundred thousand dollar revenue last year in my example right that gives us a gap of two hundred and sixty thousand. before i worry about how to close the gap with proactive marketing which i'm going to talk about last i've already went through my pricing my average ticket, the way that I sell packages, the way I'm gonna you know, 10X my reviews, 10X my referrals, how I'm gonna increase frequency with my current customers, right? You can do everything I've talked about so far in one day of creative thought with your team or by yourself. One day of creative thought, you can move the needle on all of these things, right? How cool is that? So the next thing we wanna do is figure out how much money we think we're going to generate uh, by you know, messing with the low hanging fruit components. In my example, I'll say we're going to generate an extra $60,000 this year by increasing our referrals, our reviews, our average ticket, the frequency of their customers, selling packages, all that stuff I said. So that takes my base from 240,000. Now I'm back up to 300. So now the rest of my gap in my fake example is $200,000. Okay. Let's say that my average carpet cleaning ticket is 400 bucks. If that's wrong, I'm sorry. I don't know what an average carpet cleaning ticket price is. I have no idea. It's probably like two to 300 bucks. I don't know. But let's say it's 400. So now I have all my low-hanging fruit stuff figured out, all the things I'm going to change, what I'm going to do. I got a reasonable base set. Everything's realistic. Everything's legit. 
Now I have a $200,000 gap. I'm going to close through proactive marketing. What is proactive marketing? Proactive marketing is something that you can duplicate, replicate, and to some degree control the amount of deal flow that you get. And what I mean is, let's let's talk about something that's not proactive marketing first. Let's talk about uh, Angie's List or Home Advisor. Those are services that some people love them, some people hate them. I don't really care either way if you love it or hate it. It depends on the market. But if you pay, you know, 20 bucks for a lead from Home Advisor and they give you 15 leads a month and you close all of them, good for you. That's awesome. You should continue to do that. That is great. It's profitable. It makes sense. But the problem is is that form of marketing is not proactive, it's reactive. And the reason why is because you can't control the quantity of deal flow that you get from it. Okay. What do I mean? What I mean is, is there's not a button I can push to turn my 15 calls a month into 63 calls a month. I can't make them give me 63 leads a month. I just get 15 and that is what it is. And it's stuck, right? I'm not in control of that lever. So what you want to do when you build your plan, and this is simple stuff. I'm talking about door knocking, door hanging, yard signs, passing out postcards, doing direct mail, using Send Gym, Radius Bomb, doing EDDM, doing anything like that where you're in control of how much you're touching uh, prospects, how many times you're hitting them, the times of year you're hitting them, and you have some sort of a formula, even if it's messy and not perfect at first, you have some sort of an idea on expectation. For example, in my company, my entire company was built for the most part other than providing great service and perceived value and killing referrals and stuff, it was built by these little postcards we would hand out and we'd do like 20,000 at a time. We'd bomb them out, boom, 20,000, boom, 20,000. And we knew, we knew that we would get a 1% booking rate on these cards. They performed unbelievably well. And even during the bad times of year when it would get like a half a percent or less, uh, it would always average out to 1% by the end of the year because certain times of the year we get 2 or 3% or higher than that. And what I mean is for every 1,000 cards we'd pass out, we would book 10 jobs at an average ticket of $450, which would equal $4,500. You know what that means, my friends? It means that every one of these little magical cards we would pass out to the right neighborhoods at the right time of year with the right you know setup on the card, every time we pass those out, Every card one of my technicians would pass out was worth $4.50 to my company. Every card was worth $4.50 to my company. And these cards cost like four cents to get printed, three, four, five cents to get printed, right? I'm talking about printed postcards that you order in bulk, you handwrite some prices on them, you put an expiration date on it, and there's some other tips and tricks on how to leverage these cards. But my point is, is that that was a simple lever. We could have sold $10 million worth of services using that one channel. That one thing, if we scaled a team big enough to service that, we could have done that. That's my example of a lever. So if you have a $200,000 gap, and I'm gonna wrap it up, and your average ticket's 400 bucks, and you know you gotta get 500 clients, right? Is that right? Yeah, 500 new customers. You take the 500 new customers, you divide it by the 1% response you're gonna get on, on this postcard in my example, and that tells you how many of these cards I have to pass out for the year. That's it. My plan is done. Now I just have to figure out what neighborhoods I'm putting them out in, how many each week throughout the year. It should vary based on your ups and downs of your revenue, based on the market that you're in. But really, it's as simple as that. Sometimes things that feel overwhelming can get demystified really quick 
if you put your thinking cap on, you do some deep work on it and figure it out. Even if you figured out 43% more about your plan than you had before listening to this podcast, would that benefit you? Would making 43% more money next year benefit you because you spent an hour or a day or two figuring this out and even doing a terrible job? Because I, I tell you, if you do this wrong, you're still going to win. <laughs> do it wrong. You're still going to win. Listen, you guys got this. So many people less smart, less talented than you already have what it is that you want. People are just they're crushing it. But yet you might be sitting there waiting for someone to give you permission to go build the business of your dreams or to go take what you believe you're, you deserve for your effort and your talent level. You don't need permission. No one's coming to knight you, to take a sword and knight you, Mr. Window Cleaner of Southeast Washington. Like, go do it. Go take it. It's already there. Use your brain. Do a little strategic planning. Have fun while you're doing it. Don't focus on perfection. And go get you some, suckas. It's Sunday night. It's zero degrees, and I'm going to go in and go to bed. I love you all. Take care. God bless. Hey, and share this. Share it, please. Go on Facebook. Go in wherever you'd go. Email your buddy. Share this with someone that it can help because that is you reciprocating the value that you just received. That is you being a good human being. That's you being a good person. You go try to find someone to pay it forward to, to help, to give a leg up. You helping other people does not hurt your business. You sharing this knowledge with people, even in your market, will still make you more money. You know, even if your competitors all level up, you all level up together, right? You can change the whole buying behavior of your market. Don't be scared. Don't be an information hoarder. Share this, share this. I appreciate it so very, very much when you guys do that. Take care. I'll talk to you guys later this week. God bless.